Our God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whispers. Welcome to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirler. <laughs> I love the Three Stooges theme songs. Songs. It's it's a it's a medley. <laughs> it is actually it's a medley of the Three Stooges kind of. Sorry, I was turning down the wrong one. I was turning you down, which I'm, which I should do more. Often. I'm surprised you don't have your finger always on that slider. <laughs> Hey. Man, this reminds me sitting around uh, from that old black and white television, you know, in the nice walnut cabinet. That's when they put like TVs in the really nice wood cabinets, you know. And, right. I mean, sit really close because yes. the picture was really kind of it wasn't that bright. And and there was this rule you couldn't sit too close to the TV or wreck your eyes. That's is that, right. Is that what happened to your eyes? No more than three feet, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. I sat about two feet away. Uh, that's what happened. That, that's what I, happened. And, and I, my mom continually warning me not to do the Three Stooges stunts. Oh, I love Rod Serling. You said mom. It's mom music. For Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> mom from a different dimension. <laughs> you ever see, they have the, you know, the collected, um, uh, what, what, I just forgot. I the don't name know the, the the Twilight Zone. They, oh. they, they 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 have the collected Twilight Zone. The whole thing. I mean, that is amazing. I, I the borrowed whole it. thing. That'd be like, it's, like what like fifty ton, DVDs tons, or something. It's tons. I borrowed it from somebody. Just how many years? Randomly. Twilight Zone was on for six, seven years. Something I, I like that. I don't know. I don't know. I love that show. That 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 show kind of got me into you know science and things like that. It was just kind of mind bending. One episode that was that was really terrifying to me. My parents were gone to dinner. My oldest brother Jeff, who's nine years older than me, was. Looking out for us, I was probably seven or eight years old. <laughs> that is Twilight Zone. And we, we were watching it. the Twilight Zone, right? Yeah, yeah, and of yeah. course, I'm a little kid, and I'm scared of the dark and everything at this point. And it was the one where uh, the lady's old boyfriend or whatever died, and there was a big windstorm, and she kept getting phone calls. Where are you? What are you doing? And she, leave me alone! Leave me alone! She could hang up the phone, and the phone would ring again. Where are you? What are you doing? Leave me alone. Leave me alone. And finally, it's it stopped. And uh, and all of a sudden, uh, the windstorm died. And the lady, this old lady had her caretaker or whatever drive her around. They followed the lines. And the line was down, and it was sticking in his grave. Oh, no. Right then, a direct line. Rang. Oh! <laughs> and my brother Vince and I were like, ah! <laughs> We're just losing it. Oh, that's great. Yes. That's great. Do you remember a show called Night Gallery? Yes. That was a, that was a Rod Serling follow-up uh, to the, the... Was that Rod Serling? Yeah, that was Rod Serling's Night Gallery. And that's where they had creepy paintings. You know, that's where I first saw that painting, The Scream. 
that oh, just, yeah, that yeah, just yeah. netted, uh, you know, I don't know how many bazillions of dollars in, in auction. But, but no, they'd have some, some really strange oil painting. And then one of these 15-minute sort of short story things that was like Twilight Zone, except with the, you know, the equally creepers kind of uh, plot line. My, phone, my computer was just, oh, you know what? I've what? got my computer set up where it tells me every hour on the hour. What? It speaks. What time it is? Or yeah, it's at 1,500 hours. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon right <laughs> that's, now. that's because you're usually working on some dull stupor. Yeah, pretty much. Um, also, it tells me when to stop playing video games. You've been at it for three hours now. Yeah, that, stop it. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, a computerized mom. <laughs> um, three o'clock. I've got to stop recording now. Go what, what's, what's this our is Skype when I work number? out. Three o'clock. What's our Skype number? Sorry, I've got to go. You have, to, you have to do your... your I, I work P20X. out my P90X at 3 o'clock. Okay. I'll be a little well, late today. That's so it goes. Uh, let's see. Manly Doctors 13 or 626-593-7713. Manly Doctors 13. On the web, godwhispers.com, Facebook, Twitter, all of that stuff, and uh, godwhispers at gmail.com. You want to go to the mailbag? Yeah, let's do that. Ah, uh, the Lemker. Wait, stop that. I've got I've got better male music. I like the hoedown. Little Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> it's our new male music. I there. like it. Alright, let's see how that works. Uh, right, what do it. we got? Don. Don writes. Oh, this is a long letter here. Do we really want to go into this? No, I don't want to go into Don wants to know uh oh, he, he, he says there seems to be little difference between Lutheranism and Calvinism. <clears throat> what do you say? <laughs> there. Okay. Well, we're done with that. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Both are monergistic. I'll give, I'll give him that much. Calvinism radically so. Yeah. Uh, we're synergistic cal- when it no, – no, actually we're monergistic in a slightly different way. In, in in Calvinism, God does everything. In Including in, send you to hell. Yeah, in Lutheranism, God does your salvation, but you do your damnation. Right, so, right. So we believe in both divine and human monergism. All right, you know what? That's not working because that's too short. Let's try this one instead. There, that's that's better male music, I Which think. one is that? Dennis the Menace. Oh, Dennis the Menace. That's nice. Um, let's see. Starting point, Calvinism, sovereignty of God. Um, and Lutheranism, uh, the cross of Jesus Christ, Christ crucified, by grace through and alone. yeah, and the central article being justification by grace. Through yeah, faith through one Christ. of the biggest things also is is what you were getting at first was that whole double predestination thing. Uh, Luther started out, it seems that way, because it's very Augustinian. It is Augustinian, and then Luther seems to have divested himself of that kind of thinking after a while. But we don't really necessarily follow Luther on all points anyway. Yeah. Theological so. method, uh, Calvinists prefer systematic theology, that is, that is, try to stitch theology together in a cohesive and logical system of thought. Lutherans prefer locus theology, and that is to confess no more or less than what Scripture teaches on right. various topics. And the Calvinists... We love paradox. They are allergic to paradox. <laughs> they, they accuse us of being lazy, as a matter of fact, when we point out the paradox exactly we aren't engaging our logic enough but you know the the, the reality is i i think everything but everything in this world is paradoxical at some level including the behavior of electrons and photons so you know i mean go figure 
Yeah, you mm-hmm. got that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calvinists are Nestorian in their understanding of the Lord's Supper. You could call them that, but no, that I might do. be a little I call them Nestorian. I mean, they'd call us Eutychian, so I mean, you can throw, yeah, you can we throw are, names we are around. Like, They're clearly taking the physical and the spiritual uh, apart. Yeah, but they would argue that we've made the, the human into something more than human by its ubiquitous presence. Yeah, I know, and that's a bad argument. You know, it's not in the nature of a human to be in more than one place at a time. There you go. And they limit Christ to that, but neither is it in the in the nature of fish I, well, to be multiplied well, to feed 5,000 or a loaf of bread to be multiplied here's, to feed 5,000. Here's 000, an oddity. So what Christ can't do, that is bring his body and blood to various places on earth, you can do by ascending to heaven by faith. So Spiritually. Uh, yes. So, so in other words, Christ can't do something, but you can. So that's right. kind of interesting. Well, and the confusion of what is... Is the right hand of God. Um, another difference: uh, Calvinism all means some; Lutheranism all means all. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. For God to love the world means every. Calvinism world means parts of the world representatively. Lutheranism world means world. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, my old friend Kim Riddle. Calvinism Barger, is means spiritually. Lutheranism is means is. <laughs> it's easier to be a Lutheran. Just embrace the paradox. Move on. Right. Let the text speak for itself, and then just stop. I don't know how, how do the reformed, how do Calvinists handle these sort of simultaneously sinner and saint? I know they kind of go with that notion. They, they go with it. And then they accuse are the they, Lutherans of being are, antinomians but, because of it. But are and they, they're the ones who are falling down stupid drunk at the end of the but, night, but, whereas the Lutherans aren't. So <laughs> but, but are they sanative in, in the sense of you are a sinner becoming a saint? Or are they total, total? Yeah, see, the, total, total is paradoxical. I think they'd be allergic to that. There's, there's a problem also in that the law for them is also you proving your election. Yes. And so you, you have that, that problem also where uh, you, you clearly have a synergistic sanctification there, yeah. a cooperative sanctification. Yeah. Um, and so you, you, you run into that whole problem where you have to show that you're elect to prove that you're elect and then you're elect. And it, it gets into this circular reasoning also of I believe because I'm elect and I'm elect because I believe and you end oh, up in these yeah, circles yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of other problems. See, like I, that I have a sneaking suspicion, although I, I, I can't quite pin down, you know, so, something quotable, that, that this simul used to set Picard or the simultaneously just or righteous and sinner uh, doesn't mean the same thing in, in, in Reformed parlance. I suspect that, that Calvinism, third use of the law, is a positive, renovative use of the law. In other words, it, 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 it is there to make you better. Um, you know, sort of the self-improvement of the elect. Whereas Lutheran third use of the law, it's yet another way that God kills you. Yeah. You know, um, he, he curbs you to death, he mirrors you to death, and he also instructs you to death. But it, <laughs> it, it, indre- it addresses strictly the old Adam. The, o- the old Adam needs instruction. The new man in Christ does not. One of the issues also is that the Calvinism that I, uh, that I have been exposed to the most over the last 20 years or so are uh, Calvinists that are often accused of being crypto-Lutherans. Well, yeah. People like Mike Horton, Kim Riddlebarger. And, I, I, and, I call those, those know, are Calvinists that, that actually have a better understanding of the sacraments than right, Calvinists do. Right. But, you know, still, you know, close to the day, I think a lot of what we're saying just very quickly will hold. Theological methods, central teaching, uh, starting point of theology, this kind of... I would add one other thing, too. You know, the big thing is, you know, the atonement, Christ died for some. Lutheranism, Christ died for all. There is no sense of objective 
justification or the objective reconciliation of the world in Calvinism. It's it's because of because of two way election. Christ only died for some. Right. Yeah. They they run into trouble with First John two two. Christ is a propitiation for our sins, and not, not only just ours, but for the sins yeah. of the whole world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they they do a real nice ballet around that. Uh, saying that, well, that's that's uh, Christ died for our sins and not just our sins, but people like us. Yeah, well, that leads to ca- evangelism, Calvinism. Christ <clears throat> died for sinners just like you. I'm not sure if it's right. you, if you're elected, is um, and uh, and Lutheranism. Christ died for you. Do you think that it's fair to say that the Lutherans strive for, and I'm not going to say achieve, but strive for the ministerial use of reason, placing our reason beneath the scriptures and saying, I can only go so far and then I'm constrained by scripture. Whereas the Calvinists tend to go more toward that magisterial use where they actually uh, end up placing their reason above scripture. Do you think that that's fair? I think it's inherent in their theological method because systematic theology requires that you come up with some kind of coherent system that is a coherent system that you yourself have devised. You know, it, it's kind of like finding the pattern in something. You find, you're, you're connecting the dots. Uh, that's going to be an exercise of reason. I have found in, in personal experience that uh, some of the best uh, debaters, logicians, and that other reformed, like they, they, mm-hmm. they tend to slum in apologetics much more than Lutherans do. Uh, they seem to like uh, like the uh, the you know the the strong armed arm wrestling, uh, you know, kind of logical deductive sort of arguments and that because systematic theology is built around but, logical necessity. Yeah, but at the same time, they tend to shy away from the evidentialist apologetics and go more toward that presuppositional Vantilian uh, apologetics, which is not as uh, broadly rational it seems which is really weird to me because it really does kind of seem contradictory in the in the long run can't speak to that yeah. I, I but it it i would say you know it's painting with somewhat of a, a big brush if not a small roller uh but but i think the theological mindset of calvinism is much more geared toward logical necessity yeah uh whereas lutheranism is not it does not have this need to make everything sort of fit tidily but you just kind of confess topic by topic what we're given to say and we are painting here also with very broad brush also is there are various flavors of calvinists you have your more hyper calvinist rc sproul jr uh, versus your more moderate types that are, are more Lutheran-leaning, like Mike Horton and others like that. Uh, and so, you know, it goes down to infralapsarianism, infralapsarianism oh, superlapsarianism, oh, all that kind see, of stuff. See, but, but the, the and, very and, terms, the very categories tell you that you're just dealing with, with a bunch of guys who like to slice the bologna right, really thin. Right, right. And I think you said it best about 15 years ago or so we were talking, and you said the Calvinists believe more than we do. <laughs> <laughs> not, well, not more know. sincerely, just more stuff. Uh, yeah, okay, you know they yeah. they have they have more categories. Yeah, they do. They have and, a lot of categories. And I found it really odd as I sit with some of my Calvinist friends and we talk, and they they throw out all these categories that Lutherans don't even deal in, and then they they look at you like you're a moron for not speaking their language. Right, right. And, and yet, yet it is a very sort of in-house jargon. Yeah, it's very very it intramural kind of jargon. But yeah, so that's that's kind of the gist of it. I you know. Um, it's an ongoing debate whether whether Luther and Calvin, how much they would have seen eye to eye if they had more content, contact and stuff like that. But that's really kind of irrelevant. I mean, you have to look at Calvinism today as it exists, right, Lutheranism right. today. 
Um, they're both, in a sense, confessional. I, I don't, I'm not sure that, that the Westminster Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, have the same weight necessarily no, with, with, with uh, Calvinism as uh, the Augsburg Confession, the Book of Concord have with Luther. I, I, I don't think they do. It might depend on the church body. I know... Uh, I, now, Horton himself, I mean, he's kind of a confessional reformed guy, isn't right. he? I mean... Well, I, I know Riddleberger once lamented to me that he was kind of envious of the Lutherans for having a set corpus right. that we subscribe right. to in the Book of Concord, right. whereas uh, most Calvinist churches... I, I know... Uh, PCA, I had friends when I was at seminary who were over at Covenant in, in St. Louis there, and they picked and chose, they, they would just pick pick and choose from right. various and sundry confessions and just kind of paste their own Various together. Reformed writers and confessions, yeah. and you kind of cobble together a corpus. Uh, so, no, that's true. A book of, the Book of Concord is, is, is kind of interesting and unique in that it, it represents kind of um, it, it's it's a full collected body of Lutheran teaching, and we really are reticent to go much beyond that. Yeah, you know, it will, well, we of course have more things to say about other stuff that's not covered in in the Book of Concord, but th- that's that's the that's the body of writings that we want to be hold, held accountable to, and and use as a measure of our teaching. So, yeah, uh, you know, truth be told, I, I I don't think that if there were Lutheran churches around, if if there were no Lutheran churches around, I would not really want much to do with the Calvinist church. You know, I hate to say it. I'm, I'm sure there's, there's plenty of fine believers and Christians in Calvinist churches, etc. But in the end, at the close of the day, that 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 uh, sovereignty of God business is just kind of like, you know, Christian Islam. It, finally and ultimately, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, whatever, whatever Allah wills, Allah be praised. Uh, you know, may the name of Allah be blessed forever. Uh, you know, the decree you're going to hell to the glory and honor of the sovereign majesty of God. Yeah, yeah I, come on. I, I can't. I just can't go there. About a year or so ago, I had a good quote on Facebook that was from the Koran, uh, but I didn't, I, I didn't credit it to anyone. I said, is this uh, Muhammad or Calvin? And I got all sorts of answers on that one, which was fun. You know, speaking of denominations and things, I, I, I read a thing the other day that, that I, I'd thought of instead of a while ago, but, but it kind of brought it to mind again, is that Roman Catholicism doesn't have this problem because basically they have everything all under one roof. You know, Catholicism is kind of like a mall, whereas Protestantism is kind of like a, a little set of shops, hmm. uh, like, you know, downtown Pasadena or something like that. But Catholicism is the mall. It's like the, the mega mall of religion. Anything goes inside the Catholic Church, so long as you're under the Pope. It's all cool. Uh, so they got charismatics. In fact, I would maintain that every quirky teaching that is represented by some little group in Protestantism can be found in the Catholic Church oh, yeah. if you look hard yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the big thing is, hey, it's all under the Pope. They're all Catholics, and they all, you know, make the sign of the cross and, and uh, you know, do the Mass. So it's all cool. Uh, whereas in Protestantism, it's all these little boutiques, and each one of them sort of hawking their own little strangeness and stuff. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm not all that impressed by Catholic unity. I think it's more of a unity in... In, in it's unity in the papacy, really. right? Right. I, I have met Roman Catholics that are um, serious rapture believers. Oh yeah, premillennial dispensational, oh, sure. pre-trib, yeah, rapture types, and all the rest. Yeah, it's it's all over the place. All right. Let's all right. See. So that, on. that clears up that question. Yeah, that was good. Let's see. Um, hmm. I don't know. Back I, to the mailbag. I don't again. understand that letter. <laughs> 
<laughs> if I said the name, you'd understand, too, why uh, ah, I don't understand yeah, yeah. that letter. Sure oh, maybe. there was a good quick one That's here that we can better. just kind of kind of nab. Uh, Paul writes, uh, a while back, someone on the show mentioned the name of the philosopher that relatively recently originated the concept that the strength of faith is what is important. Essentially, faith equals magic. The object of the faith is not important, just as just its intensity. Thus, you have people relying on their strong faith without regard for precisely what it is they have faith in. Could you possibly help me remember the name of this teacher? He says, I don't recall this. Do you? No. Oh, well. Which means we probably talked about it. I don't think we said it. And everything, I don't think it's ours. I think he's mistaking us for uh, tissues world, world, and other stuff. World, worldview everlasting or issues, etc. with Todd Wilkin. Todd says the stuff like that. Yeah, ask George Borghardt. He knows all yep. this stuff. That's right. <laughs> Let's see. Um, obsessive Mike. Uh-oh, Obsessive Mike. That's... Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Yeah, there you go. That, <laughs> that, that works. I wanted to comment on the idea of killing an evil desire that it can't be negotiated with. It just has to die. The one who drinks from this well will thirst again. Buddhism would say that all desire must be extinguished. Christianity makes a distinction between righteous and evil desires. The book Song of Solomon is an example of the Bible celebrating God's godly sexual desires. And King Solomon himself is an example of the perversion of those desires with his many pagan wives. So I guess if, if they weren't pagan, it would have been okay. Okay. Just saying. I, um, I don't know. C.S. Lewis was big on the idea that even our evil desires point toward a real uncorrupted desire, which is what we really want. Like, our, like that saying uh, from Augustine, actually, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Uh, Capon says that similarly. You know, he says he says that evil is actually just kind of a misdirected good, which I agree with. There's no such thing as evil of itself, essentially. Otherwise, God would have created evil. You have to think about that one. <laughs> How I, long? I don't know. Maybe a week or two. How long? I mean, he'll even say things like you know Hitler and what he did. Yeah, basically, a good idea, just just. <laughs> Just not, 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 not well poor, thought out. Poor execution. Yeah, well, and, and you kind of like, of course, of course we want to purify the, the human race, but the answer is not exterminating Jews. You know, that's just not, that's not yeah, the good way to go. That's not but, but this, this desire, and that, that would have been consistent here, was, was that this desire for a pure race is uh, pre- precisely, you know, our longing to be something that since the fall we're not. Hmm. Think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is not the Jews. Actually, the answer was with the Jews, namely the Jew named Jesus. So okay. there. Uh, in his book, The Great Divorce. But they didn't recognize their own. No. Louis, but yeah. but even, even that rejection was, was, was the key to salvation. The this stone, the, stone this the builders rejected. Yeah. So um, God's kind of amazing at that is that he just uses whatever we throw at him. Yeah. He's creative. Lewis, C.S. Lewis, Great Divorce, imagines a man on his journey to heaven who struggles with lust and is personified as a talking lizard that sits on his shoulder. An angel meets the pilgrim and offers to destroy the pesky creature. The lizard tries desperately to dissuade his host, but eventually the man agrees to be rid of it once and for all, adding, do it fast before I change my mind with a quick snap. The angel breaks the lizard's back, after which it promptly transforms into a mighty steed capable of carrying him up to onto the into the high mountain to this point i would add the verse about jesus enduring the shame of the cross for the joy set before him because of his great desire to save us of course once you get into the old man new man it breaks down the old man only desires evil like the grave never satisfied hence there is no rest for the wicked 
Thanks be to God who satisfies our new man's deepest desire in Christ. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah, you know, I'd say that's at the, at the end is where he kind of gets it. Um, that uh, desire, lust is just simply desire kind of turned inward. Sexual desire is, is the word of God, be fruitful and multiply at work in us. But uh, sin turns that into some self-centered thing called lust. So, you know, that, that's basically true. I don't okay. know what the point is. No, I'm, I'm, I'm trying it's to... It's obsessive, Mike. Where, where are we going with this? We're going nowhere. Is, was that it? That was it. Okay. That was it. Well, some good thoughts that's there, That's all Mike. I got. Some obsessive and good thoughts. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have a call. You've, you've turned on my computer, too. Oh, I've shoot. Look at that. There we go. <laughs> Why do you do that? Uh, control issues. I've, Clearly. I have control issues. Clearly. I have so little control in my life that I feel compelled to control my computer. My computer input. That's it. All right. So we got that. Okay. We've what got a call got? here. Got Skype? Yeah. We've, we've Three minutes left? Yeah, four minutes? I was just testing out the phone number just to make sure it works. And it is indeed Manly Doctors 13. Did, did, have we heard this one before? Probably. Or maybe this was in the limo. I think it was in the so, well, this was just testing. Yeah, hi, I was just testing out the phone number <laughs> just to make sure it works. And it is indeed Manly Doctors 13. There you have it. There. <laughs> was our call. That was it. We have time for Heidelberg? Let's start Heidelberg. Cue the Heidelberg music. All right. For the fatherland. For the confessions of the Lutheran Church Messiah Synod, we will be speaking today to the Heidelberg Disputation, very different from the Heidelberg Catechism. You will listen, we will speak. Please be seated. <laughs> Thesis 20. I think we're at 20. 19 doesn't ring a bell, but I'm going to 20. Wait, where did, where did my... I got to find my Heidelberg. Well, you look, I'll talk. Heidelberg. No. Heidelberg. <laughs> Wait, where are we? 24? 20. 20? <laughs> yeah. How come mine's turned to page 24? I don't know. Maybe I got ahead of you. We haven't... I don't know. Where's, I don't... There's 19. I'm all out of order here. Go ahead. Play through. There we are. There's 20. 20. He deserved, this is the famous one. You sure we didn't do this already? 20? I'll look. I don't know. Play some music. Go, go ahead. Play some music. I'll, I'll take a look. Mm, here we go. Uh-oh. What happened there? I oh, clicked on did. the wrong thing. Here. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We did uh, 21 on the um, calling the thing what it is, flying monkey martini edition. That means we're at uh, 22. This is our Matt Harrison music here. Is that... <laughs> Let's do a quick review. Turn that music off. It's driving me crazy. 20. Yeah, it's bad he stuff. deserves to be called a theologian, however, who comprehends the visible and manifest things of God seen through suffering and the cross. In other words, the cross is the lens through which everything is to be comprehended. Right? That works. Okay. 
So whatever you see of God must be comprehended through the suffering of the cross. That's very Lutheran of you to say that. That's, well, it is. It's Luther. 21, a theology of glory calls evil good and good evil. Yeah. Now, that, that'll, a theology of the cross calls the thing what it actually is. That's the famous one. Yeah. That's, that's why a, we named that last episode what it was. That's a good one. What was the 22. last episode called? What did we call the last episode? It was the Flying Monkey episode. Oh, okay. 185. 22, that wisdom which sees the invisible things of God in works as perceived by man is completely puffed up, blinded, and hardened. That's where we want to go. That okay. wisdom which sees the invisible things of God in works as perceived by man is completely puffed up, blinded, and hardened. This speaks to all those people who see the hand of God in everything. You mean we're not supposed to... Pray for the Lord's will on our, if we should have a cheeseburger or a hamburger? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we, we need to get back to that. We're, we're running out of time here while I you're know, dawdling. I, hello, we're but, out of time. <laughs> we'll get back to that in the second we'll, we'll be, half we'll of the show. We'll be back in here. Back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. This is uh, Wild Cherry. Wild Cherry. Paula, Great song. Paul, by the way, Paula loves the Sanford and Son theme song. She thinks that it is the perfect song for a TV program ever. The, the most perfect it's, song. It's, it's well matched. Yeah. I, I think it's really nice. I mean, Actually, I think this song matches well with that other one, too, in its own subtle way. I love this one. When did this come out? I have no idea. <laughs> 70s. Early 70s. This is my go-to karaoke song, by the way. Oh, is it? Yeah. This is this is the one. Is, is this where you do the white man overbite? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. This would be 1976. Wild Cherry. Number one on the Billboard charts for three weeks. As well it should have been. Love this song. Did you ever see the movie Evolution? I have not. David Duchovny. Um, he's a uh, professor at a small community college in Arizona, Meteor Hits. And... Uh, releases all sorts of weird life forms that start evolving and it's it's actually funny it's a humorous movie yeah it's ni- 19 1976 on that 
They had four uh, studio albums, Wild Cherry, Electrified Funk, I Love My Music, and Only the Wild Survive. Both Taylor Hicks and Adam Lambert sang this on American Idol. You know, it's funny you should say that because I was just about to say if they ever open up American Idol, the fat old guys, this is, I'm auditioning you're on with it. this. You're, you're, I'm auditioning doing, with this one yeah. right here. This will be my audition. Anyway, we were talking about the Heidelberg. Heidelberg. Back to Heidelberg. Heidelberg disputation. Yes. As opposed to the Heidelberg Catechism. That wisdom which sees the invisible things of God in works as perceived by man is completely puffed up, blinded, and hardened. You know, that makes sense, too, that if man can see it, then it is complete arrogance on the part of man to to think that he is seeing the invisible things of God. Sorry, I had to add that in in the bottom. You love that. You tear up whenever you hear that. I do. That's the Most, mo- that's the the Mussolini in you. Mo- mostly because of how my how the Italians were, get, ever get roped into that. That's what you know, I want to know. Here's here's the thing. I'm not convinced that Mussolini was actually Italian. They say he made the trains run on time. Impossible <laughs> for an Italian to get <laughs> right. anything on time. That that de facto it, it, it disproves the theory that he was Italian. He couldn't have but, been Italian. Hitler wasn't German. I mean, he was Austrian. Yeah, he was Austrian Catholic, and they blame it on the German Lutherans. Go figure. Well, you know, yeah, some people. People kind of bastardized Lutheran to, or Luther to, to. Are you saying he wasn't legitimate? No, they made him illegitimate in what he said. I hate when that happens. You know, Uva, you got to talk. We, Uva? we have Uva Zimadetto. Is that was that the lead singer of ABBA? Yeah. Oh, Uva. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who if, the hell are you talking if, about, if, Uva? If we could dry out Zimadetto enough to to get on the hey, show here. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Uh, no, but his book, The Fabricated Luther, is, is oh, really, that's right, really that's right. He this. takes yeah. on this myth, yeah, of yeah. of of uh, the there was the Shire myth, is what it's called. You know, he's something. local here, and I'm friends. Ooh, we, we, should, we should get him on to talk about that sometime. Yeah, yeah. Let's get some Doors Black Label, y'all. He'd say. be happy to do it. He could uh, for a bottle of Doors his, Black Label. Plug his League of Faithful Mass and ask for donations and all that kind of okay, stuff. Okay, there you go. Yeah, Luther writes. This has already been said. Why does he say it again? I don't know. He can't help himself. Because men do not know the cross and hate it, they necessarily love the opposite, namely wisdom, glory, power, and so on. That sounds like church bureaucrats, actually, doesn't it? Pretty much. I said that. All right. Therefore, they become increasingly blinded and hardened by such love. For desire cannot be satisfied by the acquisition of those things which it desires. Oh, that's awesome. Desire... Can, Buddhist desire cannot be satisfied by the acquisition of those things which it desires. Just as the love of money grows in proportion to the increase of the money itself. So the dropsy of the soul, nice phrase, becomes thirstier the more it drinks. As the poet says, the more water they drink, the more they thirst for it. The same thought is expressed in Ecclesiastes 1.8, one of my favorite books. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. This holds true of all desires. As we said last show, sexual desire, best way to kill it, monogamy, lifelong monogamy. <laughs> you get bored, it's done. Thus, also, the desire for knowledge is not satisfied with the acquisition of wisdom, oh, but is stimulated that much more. There's that continual thirst to know more. Right? Uh, Ferdy expresses it. I, I got to throw in Ferdy. Ferdy? Yeah. 
Ferdy? Forty. Forty. F O R D. Forty. Ferdy. Gerhard. Ferdy. Forty. Can we? Can we use his name? I'm using it. I don't care. You're what... quoting Gerhard. Yes, Ferdy? I am. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. He expresses is he any good? In... I thought he was an antinomian. Uh, he is, but then again, so are we. Oh. So he expresses it in terms of addiction. Where just one drink or one fix multiplies because of the craving for the drug. Yeah. How about you? When you've I'm talked... like that with pizza. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When you've talked to those who glory in their own works, is it easy or hard to convince them of their addiction and their need for intervention? Holy smokes. The more works you have, the worse it gets. Yeah. Or as Rosenblatt puts it, the harder I try, the behinder I get. Is that a sentence? Is that legitimate English? That's the way he says it. He's got a PhD. You don't. Hey. So I figure, hey. Whatever he says, it goes. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Although he did his PhD in France, so I don't know if that well, helps eh, with the right English. Right there. Right? That... <laughs> Are you kidding? France. Rod is such a, such a nut when it comes to grammar. Likewise, the desire for glory is not a glory. The desire for rule, satisfied by power and authority. The desire for praise, satisfied by praise, and so on. As Christ shows in John 4, 13, when he says, Everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Is this interesting? I think you find this interesting. So, so the desire for sin is not cured by sinning. The remedy for curing desire does not lie in satisfying it, but in extinguishing it. There you go. In other words, he who wishes to become wise does not seek wisdom by progressing toward it, but must become a fool by retrogressing into seeking folly. Kill it. Likewise, he who wishes to have much power, honor, pleasure, satisfaction in all things must flee rather than seek power, honor, pleasure, and satisfaction in all things. This is the wisdom which is folly to the world. That is a sheer genius thesis right there. Now, it does sound kind of Buddhist, though, doesn't it? It is a little Buddhist. Mm, but, but, but in Buddhism, it's the extinguishing of all desire. In Luther, it's extinguishing the desire of the old Adam. But isn't that a desire to desire to Ooh, be Ooh, the reflective argument. Uh, oh, see, uh, so already you're taking a step backward. Mm, mm. You you are setting out, by the mere setting out on the road, you have set yourself back. That's right. No wonder I'd never get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, just like what uh, what I said about Rosenblatt, saying the faster I run, the behinder I get, or whatever. That's why he says that. Yeah. Buddhist. He's a smarter guy than we give him credit for. He's more Buddhist, too, I guess. 23, the law brings the wrath of God. <laughs> Kills, reviles, accuses, judges, and condemns everything that is not in Christ. Yeah. Lega Semper Accusa. The and law I, always I, accuses. I, it kills us. I would, I would, Lex, Lex Semper. What did what I say? I don't know. You said Legos. I said Legos. Legos. Lex. I always Legos. get that. You're, I always say that by accident. Legoland. Um, and I would add that regardless of its use, the law brings the wrath of God, kills, reviles, accuses, judges, and condemns everything. Or the way I like to say it, it curbs, it mirrors, and it instructs you to death. Thus, Galatians 3.13 states, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, and for all who rely on works of the law are under the curse. And Romans 4.15, for the law brings wrath. And Romans 7.10, the very commandment which promised life proved to be death to me. Romans 2.12, all who have sinned without the law will perish without the law. Therefore, he who boasts that he is wise and learned in the law boasts in his confusion, his damnation, the wrath of God in death. Romans 2.23 puts it, you who boast in the law. So there. 
Yeah, okay. you know, you know, in view of that, how can anybody think of a benign usage of the law as though somehow you can take up the law and say, "Oh, I'm, it's going to instruct me now. It's going to be nice. It's not going to bring any wrath. It's not going to kill. It's not going to condemn." Only a Calvinist would think like that. Really, I'm. <laughs> Ouch! Oh, <laughs> third use of the law. What a. You know. Uh oh. You know. Uh oh. You're going Simonex on us here. Yeah. 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 I, I really think that Article Six of the formula, that that whole business curb mirror rule, they just they just just fluff that right off the table, in like the first sentence. But of course, the 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 law has all these functions, and then it goes on to speak about preaching the law to Christians because they are seemingly useless at Picotter. You got to put that old man to death constantly. Got to hear the law. That's it. That's what it's all about. Inquire no more, you feral beast. Moving on. <laughs> Do you have anything from Foodie? 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 I don't know. I haven't looked here. Uh, 23? Yeah, we're going to lose our orthodox credentials by reading from Gerhard Friedman. Yeah, I know. Lex Semper. He didn't believe in scripture, did he? I said Legus. I meant Lex. Lex. Nope, nothing from Does it? Okay, Nothing from Birdie. What an important point. Hey, Paul, is Paul is here. Thesis 24. Hi, that yet, 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 that wisdom is not of itself evil, nor is the law to be evaded. Hello, Paula. But without the theology of the cross, man misuses the best in the worst manner. Oh. So, in other words. I was distracted. Paula came in. <laughs> well, I was checking on my wife. How you doing? Huh? How you, how you doing? You doing okay? How you doing? <laughs> Sorry, you were saying. I, I'm, I'm totally off track now. Uh, yet that wisdom is not of itself evil, nor is the law <laughs> to be evaded. But without the theology of the cross, man misuses the, be- the best in the worst manner. Let's rewind this. All right. All right. Go to the replay. These crickets are putting I me to know. sleep here. How long is that loop? I don't know, but it's pretty. <laughs> Let me help you here. There. <laughs> Stomp on those crickets. Oh, they're still there. They'll go away. Okay. So, what is what wisdom. is that wisdom? That wisdom. What is the that? I don't know. It's a that. Yet that wisdom is not of itself evil. What is the that? Indeed, the law is holy. Every gift of God is good, and everything that is created exceedingly good. But as stated above, he who has not been brought low, reduced to nothing through the cross and suffering, takes credit for works and wisdom and does not give credit to God. He thus misuses and defiles the gifts of God. See, this kind of gets back to what I'm saying, too. There's, the, there's no such thing as evil in and of itself. Everything that God makes is good. Everything in the created order is good. But apart from the cross, all the good. Hey, Paula's phone is going off becomes evil <laughs> well how's that picking it up i don't know is it, it her phone's in her purse right there she went in the other room <laughs> going off <laughs> hey Polly, your phone's going off all of a sudden this music starts what that that's in her purse yeah there it is <laughs> Like it was created in a dorm room. You know, it's like the devil is attacking us and doesn't want us to do Thesis 24. He is. I'm going to have to fart in his direction now. I I say we just give him the devil and have a drink. (laughs) 
That's what I get said. the flarp out. <laughs> okay. Without Christ, even the good gifts of wisdom are evil. Okay. That's it. Theology of the cross. Everything has to be lensed through the cross of Christ. All right. He, however, who has emptied himself in the way of Philippians 2, 7, through suffering, no longer does works, but knows that God works and does all things in him. Oh, mm. yes. See, that's the thing is because everything is done through the old Adam and the old Adam is declared dead. The old Adam can take no credit whatsoever for yeah. the works you do. This goes to that. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete exactly. it. All that good stuff. Yeah. Yes. For this reason, whether God works or not, it is all the same to him. He neither boasts if he does works, good works, nor is he disturbed if God does not do good works through him. Oh, wow. He knows that it is sufficient if he suffers and is brought low by the cross in order to be annihilated all the more. It is this that Christ says in John 3, 7, you must be born anew. To be born anew, one must constantly, consequently first die and then be raised up with the Son of Man. To die, I say, means to feel death at hand. So the answer is not try harder. The answer is drop, drop dead. dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's it. Mortification. That's, right. that's, that's, what you, that's your role in sanctification. Drop dead. Yeah. You know, and sort of get out of the way. Yeah. Pretty much. I love it. See, I'm liking these theses just, more and just more Just proclaiming more. I suck and God, <laughs> yeah, God right. is doing all this. I'm dead. I'm See, but dead. is there is there a, a sancti- or, or uh, rather a synergistic uh, place for works in our life? See, the thing is the, the, the synergism, if there is one, is in the mortification of the old Adam. Right. We're, we're to use the law against the old Adam to put him to death. For, so for Paul you- can say put to death you know, sin in the flesh, put off the old man, put on the new. He's telling, he's telling Christians to do stuff. But the good works they do, there is no synergia. It's, it's, it's Christ at work both to will and to do. For those of you playing the home game, that synergism is a cooperation. Uh, I or a working with. Right. With working. Right. Uh, and I would suggest also that we uh, only cooperate in this in confessing our sin. And That's a mortification, it, too. Right, right. And exposing it to the lighted day, which kills bacteria like no tomorrow. Right. It's zapping the old Adam and yeah. sin, in sin in the flesh. Right. Yeah. That's a good analogy. It's like UV light. Just, yeah. just irradiate that sucker. Right. And so you turn on the light and the cockroaches scatter for the dark, you know, but, but it, it dispels the cockroaches. Mm-hmm. And so confession does that for you also. As, as does basically saying no to the, the, the sinful nature desires and everything else it just kills them yeah but there is that that struggle within us you know for the alcoholic to focus on the alcohol it doesn't really necessarily bring him uh to recovery as much as confessing i've got a real problem and uh i need to you know i need to embrace that i can't help myself here it's it's a it's but it's not one or the other it's a both and it is that is that is only christ can raise you up yeah. Only Christ only Christ can do good. Apart from Christ there is no good. Like Jesus said, vine and branches apart from me you can do nothing. Yes. Except one thing. Die. There you have. You can do you can die apart from Christ. But you can't live. Well said. Yeah. The law says do this and it is never done. <laughs> Grace says believe in this and everything is already done. 
That is ma- that's the masterpiece right there. Yeah. Actually, I, I skipped a paragraph. I skipped a lot of paragraphs. Oh, I, I skipped says, the whole. Wait a minute. The law says do. Wait a minute. The I skipped the whole says, thesis. Done did. What did you skip there? Twenty five. Oh yeah. He is he not did. righteous who does much, but he who without work believes much in Christ. Uh oh. That's Luth- I mean, that's Lutheran. Sounds like maybe weak on sanctification. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> It, it means that works have nothing to do with sanctification before yes. God. Right. For the righteousness of God is not acquired by means of acts frequently repeated as Aristotle taught. Oh, see, this is the thing. Uh-oh. Aristotle. Aristotelian. Gotta, gotta purge the Aristotle. That's scholastic theology right there. But it is imparted by faith. For he through faith is righteous shall live. And man believes with his heart and so is justified. There is your justification by grace through faith apart from works. You know, and Luther's laid that groundwork because the old Adam does nothing but sin. Works cannot save because all works are done through the old Adam. Therefore, I wish to have the words without work understood in the following manner. Not that the righteous person does nothing. See, Craig, not that the righteous person does nothing, but that his works do not make him righteous. Rather, that his righteousness creates works for grace and faith are infused without our works. After they've been imparted, by, by, imparted the works follow thus Romans 3.20 states, no human being will be justified in his sight by works of the law. And we hold that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. In other words, works contribute nothing to justification. Nothing. Nothing. Works performed on the premise that one, uh, that one was going to become righteous, thereby are not good to begin with. They defend us against the goodness of God. They are done not for the neighbor, but for the glory of self. Can anyone think of concrete examples of such truth? I think not. Or I think so, rather. <laughs> <laughs> I think not. That was, that was fierty. Fierty. Okay. Therefore, yeah, man knows. I, I just read the uh, question there. Therefore, wrongly. back to Luther, man knows that works which he does by such faith are not his but God's. For this reason, he does not seek to become justified or glorified through them, but seeks God. Yeah, in other words, why, why hold your works up to justify yourself before God when you recognize that God is the one who's worked them? Right. That's kind of odd. That's kind of like bringing your mom a Mother's Day gift and say, Hey, Mom, look what my brother made for you. <laughs> um, his justification by faith in Christ is sufficient to him. Christ is his wisdom. His righteousness, etc., as First Corinthians one thirty has it, that he himself may be Christ's vessel and instrument, operatio seu instrumentum. Instrumentum. I love that. Twenty six. Have we exhausted twenty five? This I is don't really know. a good. There's, I mean, this, there's this, a lot to be said here. Actually. This is this is a great great thesis. Um. You know, this kind of reminds me of of the problems that we run into when we confuse justification and sanctification in a lot of ways also. And I think that most Christians tend to do that, uh, where we need to point to our works to prove that we're forgiven. That that goes with the Calvinism also. Uh, But without work, and we believe in Christ, yet we can still claim to be saved, even though we don't necessarily see the goodness in ourselves. Yeah, this goes to what I keep 
saying about Romans 7 also is is that the more sanctified we become, it seems like the more our sin is always before our face, and the less sanctified we feel ourselves to be most often, uh, because we are more acutely aware of how far we fall short. And, that would, that would and we, be, we grow in awareness of that constantly. That would be consistent with the whole tenor of, of the Heidelberg Disputation, yeah. where the hidden things of God and the hidden things that God does are to be perceived by faith and not by sight. So the, as you say, the more of sanctification, which is our holiness, the more that you see, the less you are actually seeing sanctification. Right. Now, it's not, you can't run the opposite and say, well, you know, the more unsanctified you appear, the more sanctified you actually are. No, that would be... Though that may not necessarily <laughs> be untrue either. You know, because if Christ is our justification and our sanctification and he's hidden, then we don't expect to be able to measurably discern this. Well, that goes back to the may it not be about the uh, grace abounding even more, so we should go ahead and send it up, right? Right. So so just because I'm a debaucherous slug doesn't mean that, oh, well, look, I'm... I'm you must be inwardly very sanctified. I'm a drug addict <laughs> adulterer. Look how sanctified I must truly be. Now, if you put it this way, if you put it this way, you must have a, a an amazingly great Savior. <laughs> then, then, then you've got it right. You know, oh, look at Craig. Look at what a horrible sinner he is. He must have a truly amazing and wonderful Savior if he can somehow be called a saint before God. And isn't, isn't that how it works, right? Well, yeah. It's not, not all glory to me, but all glory to, glory to Christ who bails out a sinner like me. Well, and have you had the parishioner that is offended by you saying, I hope that Hitler is in heaven? <laughs> that Christ, Christ's grace is actually great enough even for Adolf Hitler, and it would be very cool to see him doing a face plant before Christ for all eternity, you know, worshiping Christ. Oh, no, no. He, he's not allowed in, you know. Yeah, I mean, all the stuff that he did, oh, goodness. You know, well, yeah, right. is Christ's grace yeah, not, I, I, not I love great the, enough even for I love the, Those are teachable moments. Oh, really? So you get in based on what you do. How's it going? <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, uh, how's that working for you? Huh? Let, let's pick up 26 because it's short. That would leave us yep. two more for the next time. The law says do this and it is never done. That's the one I wanted to read because I really like that. Yeah, that's a good one. And it's true that this is absolute. There is no end to the law and its commands. Uh, grace says believe in this and everything is already done. You know, so Paul says, do we do we um, do we set aside the law? He says, no, it's rather through faith in Christ. We uphold the law. Faith upholds the law. Right. But the Bible also does say that faith is the first good work. <laughs> Where does it say that? Or the that? first wor work. Where does it say that? I can't remember off the top of I my don't, head. I, I'm not going to own that All one. right. You want me to find it? I'll find it. You right work on that. I'll minutes. read. Luther, the, my, the first part is clear from what has been stated by the apostle and his interpreter, St. Augustine in many places. That is, the law says do this and it is never done. The second part is clear from the same sources, for faith justifies and the law, says Augustine, commands what faith obtains. The, you know, catch that again. The law commands what faith obtains. For through faith, Christ is in us, indeed one with us. Christ is just and has fulfilled all the commandments of God. Wherefore, we also fulfill everything through him since he was made ours through faith. Nicely put. Nicely put. And so to trust in Christ is to receive 
his righteousness and therefore to be justified before God, not by our works, but by his works, which I think is actually what Ephesians 2.10 means, where it says that we were, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus upon good works, resting upon the works of Christ, not for the purpose of good works, but uh, uh, on the works of Christ in order that we might walk in them. You're still looking for that passage. I'm trying to find it. I, I remember somebody flogging me with that once and me going, what the heck? But uh, I, I can't see, imagine a faith. passage that calls faith, what, the first work or the, the primary either, work? Or? Either the first work or the first good work or the work. I can't remember. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the... Uh, Maybe it was in Hezekiah. I did that. That's that's men did work faithfully. That's very possible here. Dealt faithfully. I don't know. We'll find it. I'll try to find out what the heck they were going on about. They pointed out the verse and everything. I was like, First Thessalonians one three. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope. If you wanted to go that way, I'll go with that one. I don't know. Um, I can't. There aren't too many. There are only five verses that combine yeah, faith maybe, and maybe work. Maybe it was King James. I don't know. <laughs> probably, probably one of those King Jamesers. But work of faith is that faith that is a work, or the fa- a work that faith produces. Uh, I have to look at the Greek. I don't have that hand. And you couldn't tell anyway because you can't tell objective and subjective genitives apart. They both look the same. Yeah. So, so much for Heidelberg. Well, I guess we're pretty much out of time now that I've stumped myself with a Bible verse. (laughs) You did. I I think you're remembering something else. I I don't don't know know. what. You know what? All those years of fundagelical confusion sometimes get jumbled up. You're all messed up. Yeah. You're like permanently messed up. I still have a lot of Aren't we all? We'll see you next time. Should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends.